Hello, I'm a man and I feel. I'm Andy Grant and welcome to Real Men Feel. Uh, this is all about creating a space for men to allow, uh, explore, share, express whatever's showing up for them in their lives. Um, you certainly don't have to be a man to be joining us. Whether this is your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, thank you. And uh, we hope you enjoy your time here and come again. The Real Men Feel podcast is produced live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. You can find show notes, including any links mentioned in each episode, and more information about Real Men Feel at realmenfeel.org. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes at realmenfeel.org slash iTunes and come back often. You can also follow us on Twitter at realmenfeel.org and at Facebook at facebook.com slash realmenfeelshow. This is a weekly program. We go for about 30 or 40 minutes. We'd rather leave you wanting a little bit more than going, boy, I wish they would wrap this up. Um, comments, feedback, participation are always welcome during the live event and anytime in our Facebook group, on Twitter, or at realmenfield.org. With me, as always, is my friend and co-host, Apio Hunter. Hey. How's it going today, Apio? It has been an interesting day, as I mentioned earlier, but it's, it's still good. <laughs> All right, good interesting or not so good interesting? It's been a mix of both. Let's just say that I enjoy roller coasters and today has been one. <laughs> Excellent. Well, let's hope it, uh, it comes in for a big thrill. It's a, it's a good ride once you get off it finally, right? Exactly, yes. <laughs> so for a while, we've been planning today to talk about, about hate speech. And this was something that was brought up to, um, to me, suggested by, by a female fan of the podcast. Uh, and it was brought up before the election. And I kind of uh, thought that it would, would have subsided by now. And I think the original title I, I, had, I had tagged as a placeholder for this was uh, Men Versus Women. Um, but really, there's been too much of that already. So I renamed this show Men in Support of Women. And the notion was to come here and do our best to counter all the hate speech with some support speech, if you will. I don't know if that's a thing, but we're going to try to make it a thing. <laughs> and, you know, the biggest way to come up for that was just I wanted it, – it feels weird to me to be living in a country. I didn't think America would be a place that it seems like rights would be taken away from people ever. We always seem to be adding more rights. And just yeah. uh, the discourse, the presidential election, um, based on the winner, and, and not meaning that the winner or anyone that voted for him is – a racist or a bigot or a Nazi or any of these things, but certainly there's this, this group that's been in the dark um, that feels empowered. And they're kind of what I've been calling the, the hate-filled minority is suddenly feeling emboldened and coming forward. And um, I don't want to speak too much about stories that are just on social media, but I've have, I know of two people that I know in the Boston area, which is a very progressive area, um, talking about Men in Trump t-shirts talking about, oh, I'm so good, I can just grab them by the pussies now. And now women can, don't have to pretend that that's not what they like. And just kind of intimidating and harassing people of color, people that look like immigrants, regardless of if they are or not, um, transgendered, people that you know, they uh, assume are gay or, or lesbian. And, and uh, just, uh, it's just all this grossness is coming up. And... So I wanted to just say, I'm willing to step forward and say that I'm with you. If, if you're suddenly an American citizen that is feeling afraid to be here, mm -hmm. I want to just offer, I don't know what I can offer. 
You know, find me. If you're afraid to go get gas, you're afraid to go to the store. If you're afraid to get home, you're afraid to go out alone. Like I, I contacted some of the people at the mankind project to see, you know, this, we have this database It's the way we can play matchmaker to say that I'm a man willing to help someone who doesn't feel safe somewhere. Right. Cause they, most bullies aren't going to attack a group. They, they're looking for that single person, they're looking for the person that appears weak to them. They're looking for the person that already might be scared. And there's right. just too much of that going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so true. And, and you know what, Andy, I, I stand with you on that. I, I feel very, very, very strongly as well. Uh, you know, I, there are many people who are not just afraid, but there's almost an equal number who are also disappointed and shocked and, and dismayed to think that, you know, we are, that we, the United States of America would be in this particular position where so much open expression of, of anger and hatred and hostility is being expressed. But if we really take a, back, take a step back and look at the historical perspective, you know, that has been very much a part of our history. And it's just that within the past four decades or so, it has become socially uh, unacceptable to, you know, to, to be openly uh, bigoted, openly racist, or, you know, and express you know, opinions that, that dehumanize anybody. I would say that is... That started right around World War II, of course, you know, with, the, with the shock that we saw with what the Nazis did in, in Nazi Germany, you know, demonizing so many groups of people, not just the Jews, but the gypsies and the LGBT community and so many others whom they deemed as being less than them that you know the world reacted to that and the world said no that's no longer acceptable and so especially here in the u.s because we we did an exceptional job of documenting what we witnessed and exposing it to the world that you know now what's happened is that many people who what i see and this is this is this is how i i just am perceiving it the people who are stepping forward now and expressing these things, these, these shocking opinions, some of them they genuinely and sincerely feel it. And they're doing so more so as a reaction than it is than something that they, that, that, that you know, they actually, you know, were, um, how would I put it? that's been heartfelt all their lives. You know, it's, it's more of a reaction to, I, my voice hasn't been heard. I keep, every time I try to speak up, every, every time I try to say something, I'm being slapped down. I want to be heard. And so what we see now is really a reaction of, to, to, to people saying, no, shut up. We don't want to hear your opinion anymore. And when we can move to a space where all opinions are actually valued, all opinions are at the very least heard, and we can reach a point where we know where we can understand. Then, then yes, uh, I think we can we can move past this and we can move move, move through this. Uh, but right now, there's just a lot of fear from all sides, not just the people who are the the recipients of the hatred and the anger, but those who are expressing. The anger, the anger, and the hatred as well. They are they are living in as much fear. Yeah, and, and that's it, what it really is. It's, it it is uh, fear and isolation. And when, whenever <laughs> someone doesn't feel heard, like that, that builds up that resentment. That and it it's it's you know it's gonna you know, usually 
I think it comes out in perhaps in, in violence in the home or in alcoholism, abuse. And, but now it's, it's, you know, it's taken off just mass culturally, mm -hmm. really bubbling over in all aspects of society right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Lori just wrote something here in the chat, which is, you know, she says that, you know, we need to remember that there were also the Jim Crow laws of the 50s and 60s. And bigotry was definitely going on for a long time after World War II, and that's very true. Um, it took some time. It took a couple of decades for the momentum to say, you know, for the momentum to build and reach the point where it's like, okay, we need to get rid of all these laws that are exclusionary and everything else. For sure, but definitely World War Two. I was World War Two. I'd say was the trigger for that, and it just now. Now we're seeing we're seeing the pendulum swinging back. In other words, the pendulum got stuck. It was released. Now it's swung back in the other direction, and it needs to right itself again. Yeah, and we've talked about. I talk about the pendulum often uh, dealing with clients and things, and you know, we're even talking about mass consciousness and all oh, the love and light in the world, and we're all getting elevated. And wait a minute, what just happened? And yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's it's like you, your interesting day, the roller coaster ride. Motif. <laughs> you know, it's society, the growth, the expansion, the 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 love and embracing is not just a linear line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, no, and, absolutely. And it could be, I mean, can be. It is challenging. Um, when I read some accounts, like, like I'm not, I'm not really a violent guy, but I'm like, I'm like, wow, if I was there, like, oh my God, I, I just want to go like roam around the city and look for someone being hassled and, and get in someone else's face. I'm like, wait, that's not going to help anything either. Right, right, right. Exactly. The only way that we can really counter this, and, and this is something which may sound a little shocking, but really I think needs to be said. And that is when you stop being compassionate. We need to move past compassion now because compassion has, is now keeping us stuck. Compassion is, compassion is one of the greatest traits that humanity possesses. And we've used compassion to really keep us together as glue to keep society together for a very, very long time, throughout most of our history. But now compassion is actually keeping us stuck and, 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 and keeping us from being able to move forward. Now it's time for us to move through compassion and move into understanding. Because it's understanding that's really going to open up the dialogue. It's really going to help us get you know, move past that place where we're talking at each other and talking with each other. Yeah, yeah. And, and one of the things that came out you know, in the days immediately after the election was all the people not feeling heard. And great, we've all got to sit down and listen to each other. And you know, <laughs> that's the problem. Listening and talking to each other is very different from feeling empowered and harassing people that, oh, now, right. I, now, I can, now it's okay to come out and attack people of different yeah. color and creeds and nationalities. And, you know, it really shouldn't be okay ever. No, exactly. And, and, and it isn't okay. It, it is, it's not okay in any way, shape, or form. However, I think it also we need to recognize that the, there's a frustration. There's a lot of frustration that has been pent up and people are finally letting it out. But once they let it out, then, you know, once the explosion <laughs> takes place, that's when we'll be able to, you know, calm down. I mean, we all go through this. We all, you know, we all have, have spoken to this or taught this in one way or another, the four of us that are present here on the call, which is once you've had an opportunity to step back, take a deep breath and calm down, then you can actually have a dialogue. Then you can actually speak out. So, you know, the, the harassment, the hate speech, everything else, there's no, there, there, there should be no space for it. But at the same time, let's let it out 
But instead of keeping it in, let it out. Let it out, so then we can start you know, to move to that space of understanding. Mm-hmm. Gary, you wanted to chime in on some anger? Yeah, I just wanted to, to, to comment about anger. Um, so David White, I don't know if this is going to show up as backwards or forwards, but it's called Consolations. Yeah, so David White is a poet. David writes about um, anger, which is, I think, very enlightening in this discussion. And he says, anger is the deepest form of compassion. Think about that for a second. Anger is the deepest form of compassion for another, for the world, for the self, for a life, for the body, for a family, and for all our ideals, all vulnerable and all possibly about to be hurt. It's also the deepest form of care. And if we think about it, if we didn't care about what was going on, we wouldn't get angry. Yes. So, so what you just said about getting you getting angry and letting the anger out, that simply shows we care. And every single person who is angry cares. We're coming at it from different angles, but every single person is angry because every single one of us want a better life. Yes. So whatever that is defined is, is, is very different, but it's because we care. The important thing that he continues on, he says, what we name as anger is actually the incoherent physical incapacity to sustain this deep form of care. So we just simply reach the point of caring so much, we don't know what to do. But if we don't get it out verbally in safe places, it will come out physically as violence. So yes. we, have to, we have to allow these dialogues to happen and to hold that dialogue in a space of you care, I care. I care to hear about your side so that I can understand it so that we can talk about it. If any of that is shut down, which people are trying to do, that's when all hell breaks loose, literally, if violence absolutely happens. It's a brilliant way of looking at it in a very different way. So look at these people who are just raging with veins sticking out of their necks as people who really care and need to be put in a safe place. Mm -hmm. Just Mm -hmm. a different different thought from David White. But no no one who's angry says... At least I've never experienced anyone angry. Put me in a safe place. I'm angry. (laughs) (laughs) They they want to be in your face. They want to be, you know, they want to pound your face even. Exactly. So we have to let them. Yeah. So what we need to do is give them the dialogues, give them the forums, give them, you know, like this, give them the opportunity to let it out, but not in a way that ties that anger and frustration to physical violence. Mm-hmm. Because the protest, great, you can get out there and protest, but there's such thing as crowd speak and you know herd mentalities. Absolutely. And if one person does that physical violence or starts throwing something, the whole crowd gets into it. So these types of dialogues are absolutely safe. You can rally all you want, scream into your microphone on mute, <laughs> whatever, get it out, get it out, because then you can then you can talk. Yeah. One one teaching I wish I could remember where this came from, but uh, the notion that Every idea, every action, everything suggested, every political viewpoint um, is somebody's best idea at the time. Yeah. And that's something that's helped me relax and just see and different things proposed. Like, well, that's just, just his best idea at the time. It's not meant to, you know, um, strangle someone else. But, but now we are seeing things come out that, no, it really is about, I want to pipe that person down. I want you to get out of my country and all this kind of stuff. And it's, yeah. it's harder to go, well, that's just their best idea at the time. And, you know, it's not affecting me. Right. You know, I'm a middle-aged white guy. You know, right. I, I should be dancing in the street, right? But every, every white guy isn't angry and isn't a white supremacist. And it's just, yeah, it's just bananas. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't have said it better myself, Andy. 
<laughs> I know. I I I no agree with you, and I right now I'm kind of at a stage where I'm just kind of like you know just stepping back and just. I mean, I I have not listened to the news at all. I mean, in the morning, I either am watching the Weather Channel just you know so I have some back some background noise as I'm getting ready to go to the office or or doing something else. But um, yeah, I, I just I'm saddened that the level of frustration has reached a point where people feel like it's necessary to single out groups and say you are the respo- you are responsible for for the way that I feel. Um, you are responsible for my misery and everything like that. But really, responsibility falls on each of us. Each of us is responsible to a certain extent. Yes, we can say that there are certain... Let me, let me, uh, to break it down to the ridiculous, let's put it this way. <laughs> we, ha- we created our own monster by believing and expecting that the people that we have elected to office were somehow responsible for fixing things for us. When in reality, they were just doing what they thought was best, but ultimately for themselves or for the people funding their campaigns or whatever. If we are to truly fix things, we need to fix things ourselves and not expect anyone else to fix it for us. And that's, one might call that an oversimplification, but I tend to look at things from a very, very simple (laughs) lens, if you will. And, And that is, it does start with us. It starts with the individual. So out here, can I can I follow up on that comment? Because Fred, um, Fred Kaufman, who is now the vice president of LinkedIn, mm-hmm. uh, had a um, had a beautiful uh, book come out years before LinkedIn, and it's called Conscious Business, and it's a beautiful illustration of how people in that position ascribe a power base outside of themselves so that they can become a victim and exonerate themselves of the outcome. So it's beautiful. It's a win win situation for them because they get to feel okayed. But they also um, don't lay blame on to each other. So misery loves company is basically victims love company. Everyone just goes, it's not my fault. But um, Fred changes around responsibility to response ability. So with an A, not an I. And it's always, it it revolves around the fact that we are always able to respond to any situation. That puts the power of, the locus of power back into our own Mm -hmm. place, not somebody else's. And if we try our best in that situation to write what is wrong and to advance what we know is right, which you know we can't, we know we we really can study these types of things, we now bring the power base back, and it empowers us to say, "I did what I could, even though I couldn't fix everything else. I was doing my part." And that same herd mentality gets propagated like a meme, mm-hmm. just like the victimhood. So we create, I agree, we created this problem by being victims, by allowing ourselves, and we did allow ourselves to have all this stuff happen. It wasn't the man did it to us. Mm-hmm. Look in that mirror, we, we allowed it to happen because we were you know, abdicating our power. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. But the people that are most triggered and are furious at the other, whoever the other is, like you're... I bet they would see what you've just said. Oh, there's another liberal elitist 
right? And so when you're in that tribe, when you're feeling that, like how can you help someone that's there? How can we communicate with someone that just feels so wronged and that everybody is the enemy? Mm. Well, listening for sure. Listening to their grievances in, in a place that's non-judgmental. So you got to let them out. And again, real men feel is exactly that. We, mm-hmm. And everyone, everyone needs to feel, everyone needs to be able to get that out because the, the, the physical body and the mind absolutely relaxes as you vent. We know that. Get it out. Don't spew hate. Like, like Lori had a comment earlier beautifully. Don't spew hate because then that fuels the fire. Get your frustration out and say why you feel the way you do. I feel unheard because I, and always keep these I statements, but get them out. It will run its course, and then we can start having a more mm-hmm. dialogue yeah. around, okay, you feel unheard. This is the way you feel. How can we help you to feel heard? But know that just because you're hurt doesn't mean everything's going to be changed. That's right. Not- doesn't mean what, what you're sharing, what I'm listening to is not going to become a, That's right. mm-hmm. everybody or a policy, but, That's right. but yeah, I guess it, you know, you it sounds like you're saying like if we really take it down to the one-on-one level and not furious at social media and the news, but wow, when you, when you see someone, you come across someone, listen and, and be as open as you, you can be. And we absolutely have to attack overgeneralization. So I was reading a post by somebody today talking about that all Trump supporters, all Trump voters were racist. It's like, no, No. to most, you can't even change it to anything because who really knows anything about that? It's it's just, it's just that the ones who are feel like maybe everybody else is. They they want to generalize it perhaps mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. speaking of generalizations you know, Lori made a couple of good points in the comments you know about needing to be careful that we allow people to vent their frustration but not necessarily giving them give them a forum where the group thing takes over mm-hmm. and then it becomes a forum that pushes hate and blame and so forth because mm-hmm. once they're in that situation they don't have respond they don't take responsibility for their own behaviors and while and, and Lori, you know did say that while she believes she agrees that we're ultimately responsible she also does believes that their policies do need to be placed in order to prevent the oppression and not allow it and yeah i mean i i i agree with you 100 percent. but i think it's also the part of the perception that has come up and that has fueled what is happening right now and fueling the not the dialogue, the venting that's taking place right now. And there's a lot of people feel like some of those policies went too far. There were policies in place and they weren't being heard and their voices weren't being validated and everything like that. And so ultimately, I, you know, I, I, I agree that we need to be able to prevent oppression, but I think that the way to prevent oppression is ultimately being able to allow people to be heard because once they feel like they are heard then the, then the real understanding can take place you know Stephen Covey in in his very famous book seven habits of highly effective people one of the habits was seek first to understand and then to be understood and it takes practice it takes time and unfortunately in the day in, in the day of twitter in the day of you know instant everything, instant coffee, instant dating, you know speed, you know speed dating for that matter. So so many things happen so fast, and we expect everything to happen just so quickly. We fail to recognize that in order for us to be able to be heard, it takes time. 
it does take time. It doesn't have to take a lot of time, but it does require attention. It does require effort. It does not require us to set aside our, 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 you know, our cell phones so that we're not being constantly you know, distracted by the text messages and the Twitter updates and the Instagram uh, pop-ups and everything else. It requires us to be able to sit down and see and hear and seek again, seek to understand before being understood. Cool. And in like the process, that, be understood. I want to share um, this is something on Facebook. This is written by a, a Boston college student. It was uh, back on November 10th. Um, and this is full of uh, non PC language. And I'm just going to read it as it is. Today I was on the train headed downtown, simply minding my own business. And out of nowhere, an old man wearing a Trump 2016 t shirt screamed, Get out! as he pointed at me furiously. He then said the same thing to an old Asian woman who was holding hands with her grandson. Get out, he shouted at the elderly woman and her grandson. He then pointed at me and said, get out of this country, you sand nigger, spitting towards my shoe. Anyone who knows me knows that I t it takes a lot for me to get confrontational, let alone mad at someone. But never in my life had I been so publicly humiliated. It took every fiber of my body to not punch this guy in the throat. His eyes were fixed on mine, waiting for me to do something. Please stop, I asked him. I can't hear you, sand nigger, he responded. I asked again, only louder. At this point, the man laughed at me hysterically. I asked him why he felt the need to be so hateful, why he wanted to curse at me, a guy he didn't know, in front of families in public. I told him what he was saying was not right, that I was an American, born and bred in Boston, going to school in Boston, that if he had kids, I, like his kids, have dreams and future aspirations that I have feelings, that I'm human. I asked him what made us different, why he saw me as different and not the same, not as a person, but as an other. I kept looking at this man in the eye and he kept looking back. After a few moments, his expression softened and he extended his hand and said that he was sorry. I wanted to slap that hand away so bad, the very same hand that pointed at me and an innocent grandmother and grandchild telling us to leave but I knew that doing so wouldn't improve anything. And then I had the chance to educate someone. So I shook it back. A tear came out of his eye and he said, I'm real sorry, son. I could tell that he was moved, but I don't think he could tell that I was broken, that what he said was the first time I experienced such pointed, direct hatred in my life. Hmm. I, I'm just, even that again, I'm, I'm amazed how well that young man handled that situation. And, you know, it wasn't a group, it was one-on-one. -on -one. And again, having that willingness to hear, to stand your ground, to not, to not, he, he could feel his anger and acknowledge it, but didn't have to act it out. And, you know, he really had a heart-to-heart -heart moment with this, this attacker, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what I, you know, I would love the story, that's the sign of the thing that social media would rather keep seeing and not clips yeah. of people beaten, beaten up and supposedly over they voted and finding out that it's not true and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to see, you know, our president elect tweet that story out. <laughs> but um, that, that's yeah. where we've got to get. That, that's, I, I think that's where the healing is. It's, it's down to the one-on-one, -on -one, being willing to stand yes. up being yes. willing to confront something. And it doesn't mean you have to get physical. It doesn't have to you know, go punch someone in the face just with, hey, well, why are you so riled up, buddy? <laughs> you know? Yeah. You bring some lightness to something, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's, 
what a beautiful example. You know, what, what an incredibly beautiful and powerful example of, of how you can diffuse a situation by not responding in kind. And, you know, I, I have to say, you know, I, I honestly don't know. I, I would love to be able to say that I can react in the same way that he did. But I, to be 100% honest, don't know if I could. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you can say it and then when you're confronted with it, that's when, that's when the real test begins. Yes. Yep. And, and to me, Apio, this is something that actually can be worked on. It can be trained if you want to call it trained, because mm -hmm. we do know that's true. We can train ourselves into a, um, an emotion like anger and a behavior like violence. I mean, there's always a cue, a routine, and a reward in every single habit that we have in our life. You know, Charles Duhigg speaks about this beautifully, always cue, routine, or, you know, behavior re reward. And in a lot of people's minds, anger is violence and the reward is you feel good, you feel justified, you feel empowered, you know, whatever it is. But we can also train that exact same cycle, just the opposite. So frustration, mm -hmm. breathing, peace, that's a beautiful cycle as well. We can learn to do that, but it almost goes counter to exactly what Andy was saying earlier is this is an affront of our perception of survival. And that's all it needs to be is a perception of an attack on our survival. It doesn't have to be real. You know, it's just, oh my God, I feel like I'm being attacked. So that's really all you need mm -hmm. to kick into that survival instinct. But the more yeah. we train ourselves, the more we talk about this, the more we train, uh, do, do these types of cycles, the better we'll be able to, in those instances, handle you know these attacks. I don't know if I can do what that you know what that guy did, Andy. That is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I'd love to know how he got there. The story itself is phenomenal. How did he get to that point? That is amazing. Amazing. I sent him a message. I told him that he inspired tonight's show, and I uh, I'm gonna I've uh, sent him a friend request on Facebook to see if he would even come on later. Um, and, but we'll see what happens. And I want to share one other thing because uh, this is written today by, by Jordan Bain, who is going to be a guest on the show next month. Um, he writes, the problem is not Trump. The problem is not white neo-Nazi nationalists. The problem is not ISIS nor any other terrorist group. The problem is opinion. Thinking we know. They don't know. I am right. You are wrong. This is the right way of seeing and thinking. That is the wrong way to do things. How do we heal opinion? This is the hardest and toughest job on the planet because you are only able to fight it within yourself. And what is that fight made of? Awareness, love, forgiveness, good deeds, spiritual peace, which bears good fruits, joy, laughter, silence, and inner peace. Why is it a fight? Because it takes a peaceful warrior of light to choose these things every day. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. And... I, I love that. Lori saw that earlier and, and, you know, but no, you've got to be able to like do something. What happened when it's in your face? And, you know, and, you know, when, when something's in physical reality and you see someone harassing and intimidating, you know, is it, is it enough to just, ah, be of the light. I wish them the best. I shall sit here and meditate. Or is that sticking your head in the sand? And, mm -hmm. and I battled with that. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I was just looking at the chat just now, and uh, kind of the you're actually unmuted if you want to if you want to say something or if you want to share some of your thoughts, which actually are awesome thoughts. You're welcome to do so. Oh, 
<laughs> okay, no worries, no worries. Yeah, he mentions uh, Pantsuit Nation, which, which mm -hmm. someone added. So that's been a secret Facebook group for Hillary supporters. When, and it was made by women that didn't feel safe when they published on you know, their regular social media feed out in, in public. They were just attacked by people that didn't agree and it, they didn't feel safe. So I was actually added to that, like maybe two days before the election, suddenly someone invited me into that group. And I had no idea that women felt so fearful to express their support. Um, and then since the election, the stories have just been more heartbreaking. P truly people in different parts of the country uh, afraid to go out, afraid to do anything. Uh, um, people being um, verbally attacked at the stores and at, at school. And um, it's just been distressing. Mm -hmm. And uh, and again, then I was even surprised to hear these stories up, up here in Massachusetts, in, sure. in liberal elite country, right? It's, we're supposed to be immune from this. And, right. yeah. you know, no place is immune from it. Um, you know, Laurie, I know that your your uh, connection is might be a little bad, but I, I, I want to hear your perspective because you shared a thought here in the chat that I think deserves to be heard a little bit more, explored a little bit more versus in the chat. Because um, you said that being it's very different being a woman. And as you're listening to the conversation, you're seeing the difference and you're noticing the difference between men and women and how we think. And so I would honestly love to hear um, your, your thoughts further if, if you're okay with that. Can you guys hear me? I'm, I don't know if it's going to break up too much. I can hear you fine. We're, we're okay. Oh, okay. All right. So just while I listen to you guys, it's, it's intriguing. Like I have to like bring it into myself. Like, is this just my reaction or is this the female reaction? Mm. This, um, this idea that you can just stand up to people. Like my friend's daughter ran into something very similar, not quite as hate-filled as the gentleman who had that on the train, but she was in fear because it was a man in his 30s made some, uh, just some comment, which it, it touched me to my very core because he made a comment about her body without really making it about her body. But it's that, it's those kind of comments like he just said to her, like he was in his 30s, she's 18, she's just a freshman in college, made some comment about she must be, asked her if she was a skier. Mm -hmm. And just made the comment, well, you look like you have the body of a skier. Hmm. And it, it might not seem like much, but it's definitely like she was wearing a baggy sweater and, and, and pants, she was heading home. And it, it's comments like that, like, you don't really know how to respond to them because you're like, I think that was like inappropriate, but I'm not really a hundred percent sure. Right. And w women deal with that. I can't tell you how often. And, and it proceeded to get worse on the train. Like he kept talking to her about it and she didn't like, she just looked at her phone and texted her boyfriend and was like, am I imagining this? Like, is this a normal comment? But I think like, I think that as men, you really have no idea, like, the fear or the um, insecurity of being on the train by yourself or being out alone. And, and always, it's always on our mind that we have to be on defense. Mm -hmm. We have to pay more attention, things that you guys take for granted. You know, I remember shortly after Randy and I were together, I was, I was like, 
we dropped a friend off at a car and Andy just put his car into drive and was going to leave. And I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, what? I go, you have to make sure they get in the car and that it's okay and that they can drive, that there's nobody in the car, that somebody doesn't, isn't in the back seat. You got to wait. And he was like, what are you talking about? And these are things that as women, we automatically do. When I am parked at a grocery store, I never, ever get in my car without looking in the back seat, mm-hmm. ever. Oh it's God. stuff we have been trained to be on the defense for. Little comments. We're taught all the time, and it's subtle, but, you know, walk with your keys in your hand so that if somebody comes up, you can stab them. Okay? Little things. Always, you know, you guys, can you walk and look at your phone? Sure. If women do it, well, you weren't paying attention. You need to pay attention because some guy can come up and grab you if you're not paying attention. Mm -hmm. So all those little things that I think that's where women, like when we talk about white male privilege, it's something that you just, I mean, you have no clue what it's like to live like that all the time. There is like a level of just innate I don't want to call it fear, but awareness that we have to have. And we've sort of been taught if we don't do that, if something happens, it's our fault. We're mm-hmm. responsible for the actions of another human being. Mm-hmm. And, and we've been taught that. I mean, yeah, and you can see it still today in the school systems, right? Girls can't wear, aren't supposed to wear dresses or anything that show their bra straps or shorts that are too short because the boys can't control themselves. That is literally their rationale. Even today in 2016. And so when you, when, when you hear things like that, when we talk about the men and women, like when you guys talk about it, it's like, well, that's great. But if you're on the train and there's eight guys and three women, Really, do you think the women are going to say something? Even if we stay calm, there is just an innate, like, God, they they have complete physical power over us. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I mean when I say it's so different. And I, is- I'm grateful for the conversation, but mm-hmm. I think, like, that's what I want you guys to hear. That fear, that um, responsibility that we have to take. You know, the the girl who was raped in California. Right. Well, what did she expect? She was drinking with the guys. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that is still, I mean, that guy got three months for that. (laughs) Three months for rape because she was drunk. And then when we, so when we say things like, you know, we have to be open and talk about it. Well, we do. But when there's policies that are still in place that say women are responsible for men's actions because men can't control them. That's, it's scary. It's really scary as a woman. And it's scary that it's still happening today. Like for the younger generation, like that the 15 year olds are going through the exact same thing that we went through when I was 15. That scares the crap out of me, but that's still happening. Isn't it better? Apio, can I just add something here? Because Lori, what you just said is something that every single person, men and women absolutely need to hear. And I would just add that when our children look at adults and say things like Trump's comment about grabbing pussy is locker room talk, that is absolutely one of the biggest tragedies that could happen to all of us. To think that that is a normal behavior is not just wrong, it's cancerous. 
And that's what gets into those young minds and say, I heard it or I saw it and it is justified. I think, um, Heindel, you're off mute, but you said something about entitlement in the comment section that I saw. And that is exactly what is happening is those tiny, subtle, little comments are the ones that are absolutely creating these mindsets where, of course, it's justified. Of course it is because for whatever reason. That's right. a thousand cuts. Well, and that's where we, you know, as women, like, like, where do we, you know, how much can you say? I mean, let we, cause we still know that the court system, as many women that are in the, in the courtrooms as, as there are, I should have given Andy the link to an article. Um, a friend of mine who's an attorney wrote last week after the election and um, talking about how degrading it can be in the courtroom still that men will refer to women lawyers like, oh, you're pretty smart for a lawyer, for a woman. In the courtroom, she's an attorney, just like him. But there's still all of that. So it's still a hugely patriarchal society. Mm -hmm. I mean, just is. And it's not that I object to it. It's just, I'm, I'm very grateful that you guys are doing what you're doing. I just want you to make sure like little, it takes so little. For that assumption to be made. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we don't have a lot of strong, you know, we have some strong role models, but when we have them, they're degraded. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, so many women that are strong are put down, right? Like Hillary is strong, right? But you, if you listen to people, oh my God, she's like the worst human being in the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, There's so many people. Eleanor Roosevelt was another one, right? She was brilliant. But in her time, she was, it was not good for her. Mm -hmm. Right? Because anyone, any woman who are powerful that stand up to men or say we're equal, we know that, you, you, I mean, as men, that isn't what they want. I mean, equal rights has not been passed for women. I think that speaks volumes volumes about the difference between men and women. Mm -hmm. This is the type of awareness that we need. It wasn't been passed, but not for women. Right. Sorry, I didn't need to talk over you there. <laughs> no, I was, I was actually saying, you know, really, I'm so, I'm so glad that you spoke up, Lori. I'm so glad that you're sharing this perspective because this is the awareness that all of us mm -hmm. need. No, the, the, you know, you are so right when you say we make assumptions because we don't have those experiences. We are not, we, you know, we're not, you know, we just have not been able to have that point of reference. And so that awareness is how we're able to start the, you know, changing things around. That awareness is how we're able to start putting ourselves in the shoes of others and start to see things from that perspective. That awareness is what helps us get to that space of, of understanding where we can move forward. So thank you. Thank you very much for, for, for that. Thank you for letting me share. Oh. And it is like what Gary was saying. It, it's um, when women do speak up, we're sort of told, well, that's just the way it is. Get over it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's just locker room talk. Just get over it. Right. And I, I mean, I can speak for myself. I can't tell you how many times I didn't say anything because I didn't want to be thought of as a bitch or high maintenance or being a pain in the ass. Right. When somebody said something or did something because I didn't want to be that girl. 
How and now many- I'm like, oh my God, what was I thinking? I should have been that girl all along. And I just didn't because I didn't want to be a bother to anybody. Right. Well, yeah. Lori, Lori, can I ask- make history, right? I'm not sure if they can what? hear you. We can hear you. Yes, we can hear you kind of. Oh, good, good. I couldn't hear what you said. Lori, I'll, I'll tell you later. I'm curious to know what you might think about, um, you know, what, something you just said struck me as, as pretty fascinating. Um, you know, the silence that, that women carry uh, when it comes to being able to speak up or, um, you know, having these feelings that, you know, they want to act, but they don't have uh, the power in the moment or the power to be able to, to act because um, they're anticipating being, you know, sort of squashed or pushed down. And I'm wondering if that could be perceived as, you know, contributing to the patriarchy and, you know, what your feelings are, you know, about other women maybe who, um, you know, kind of uh, get their value from acceptance of, by men. Well, I think it definitely, it definitely um, continues the patriarchy. And I think there's a lot of women who like it. They want the guys in charge. And don't get me wrong, there's times when I'm all for it, right? But <laughs> so, and that's where the conflict is. Like, I can want to have a guy in charge sometimes, but that doesn't mean I'm not, right? And there's a huge conflict with that as a woman. Like, where do we, where do we draw the line? When is it okay? When isn't it okay? I mean, we are like trying to figure out a multitude of things and, and when not to speak up, you know, at work, you know, when is it appropriate to speak up? When isn't it? How will it affect my job? When won't it affect my job? You know, it, it, you know, will the other women be okay with it if I speak up? You know, it's not just what the other guys are going to do. Will the, will the other women be mad at me if I speak up? Right. So I do, I do think, I do think we, um, as women, we have to, but I totally get why we don't. I think we're partly responsible. Of course I do. Of course, like as a, as anyone who does any self growth work, right. I'm responsible for what I, what I put out in the world. So, you know, I, I posted something when my friend's daughter wrote her blog, I asked her to forgive me for not being one of the women who spoke up from the time I was young. That's powerful. Right. Because I'm part of that responsibility. Like, and that, it breaks my heart. And then I'm like, well, really, did we have a lot of role models? I mean, I have to say, like, I grew up in a, in a family of all men, right? I have five brothers plus my dad, and I had my mom. And I never, I never heard my father ever speak derogatory about a woman. But the role model in my house was my mom stayed home and, and took care of the family, and my dad went to work. Mm-hmm. And so... His, his job, right, he had a business, he had secretaries, but then the guys who did the work did the work. Those were the guys. So not that the secretary wasn't working, but I always saw it as different. And so my role modeling was, that's what it was. And so it's fascinating. Like, as I look back on it, you know, I'm like, hmm, interesting. Is this why I didn't say anything? You know, so it's, I, I do, I find it, um, it is very conflicting all of the time, but I just wanted you guys to know like the, the base concerns, you know, like my, my best friend, she lived in an apartment that she had to walk around the, 
when I would drop her off at night, she had to walk around a part of another building, so I could never tell if she got in. And the deal was she would always, instead of just turning the light out, she always had to turn it off and then on and then off again so that I knew that she was safe. So whatever just if it ever just went off, I knew to get the police. And this was long before cell phones, right? But I knew to like if if she just shut the light off and didn't give me the code, I had to go drive to the police station and get her help. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the standard. Just yeah. that's just what you do. You know, that, that brings up an interesting question that you know I would pose to every man who's listening to this, and that is do you, if it is somebody who's talking about your sister or your daughter and it's just locker room talk when referring to your sister or your daughter, would you have, would you make that justification? Would you just blow it off or would you get really, really pissed off and want to go out there and knock some heads around? Just think about that. But see, but this is where, this is where I love that, that thought process. But how about just forget about it being a woman. How about, is that okay talk about another human being? Thank you. Yeah. Because ideally, right? like I've been. T- because there's where we separated. Anyway. Exactly. Is it a man? Is it a matter? It doesn't matter. It's not okay for any human being. Period. Dehumanizing a person is dehumanizing Mm-hmm. This show is called Men in Support of Women. And I really was going to, you know, the best title, ideally, it's People in Support of People. That's <laughs> where I yeah. like to see us, but not there yet. And that's, that's, that has to be okay, or else we'd lose our mind. But um, uh, mm-hmm. thanks a lot, Lori, for, for sharing everything there. Um, kind Owl, I wanted to, you would put some comments about your experience in that Pantsuit Nation group. I wonder if you would want to share a bit about that. Yeah, you know, without um, going into too much detail about uh, the things that that I've I've read, because I don't, you know, I, I don't want to. I mean, I th- I get the sense that there's a bit of confidentiality there, uh, you know, a safety container of sorts, and you know, people um, that write on there are, are in search of that. You know, they want a safe place to be able to to express themselves and to tell their stories. And what I find fascinating, or what I really found fascinating about my own experience, and you know, that's my my lens, of course, but. You know, I was invited by a friend who, a female friend, uh, to join the group, or she had added me to it. And I was like, yeah, fine. You know, that's cool. I'll, you know, I don't mind, you know, and I, I can maybe check it out once in a while. But, you know, as I started to see this steady stream of uh, posts from, from women in particular, and even some men here and there talking about their experiences of just prejudice and hateful language and bigotry and people standing in line at you know, just in mundane, uh, you know, parts of their day getting coffee and suddenly, you know, these absolutely heinous acts are being committed against them, even if it's just verbal, uh, was, was a little bit of a shock to me. I didn't, I didn't realize or didn't know that I was going to be, um, I w- that it, it was going to open up, you know, just, just being added to this group was going to open up so much of a, a new perspective to me about, you know, what was happening, you know, maybe all along. You know, maybe this was happening to some degree, but I think now, or my feeling is with, with the results of this election, um, you know, people have received permission uh, to, to act this way. They feel as if to the victor goes the spoils, and this is how we act to, to one another now. We can express ourselves in a way that before uh, was, uh, was not allowed. It was a taboo, um, and it's, it feels regressive. It feels uh, terrible uh, to read these stories, and I feel 
in, in one, that's one side of the coin and I almost don't want to read them. But on the other side of the coin, I kind of have to read them as I, as I do. And I find myself scrolling through these stories and I'm, I'm, I'm almost, you know, I feel I'm, I, I'm spending 15, 20 minutes just, you know, rolling through five, 10, 15 stories that are just, you know, such, such eye openers. And uh, so that's been my experience. Uh, just, uh, just absolutely. Um, you know, the, the, you know, reading these stories to me has just been an, uh, you know, for me, um, not just an experiential, you know, thing in my mind, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a body thing. And I was saying this to a friend, not to take over the whole conversation here, but I was saying this to a friend who was posting on Facebook about, you know, how do I, he was asking how he can create change because he goes in his own uh, words from zero to Mel Gibson in like, you know, 10 seconds. Uh, so I, I said to him, well, you know, you're not going to get anywhere by, um, you know, arguing with people or coming out of the gate, you know, as an attacker on somebody's perceptions, because that's the reality. The way to do it is that they have to experience something in their body, you know, not just in their mind. They have to get that reaction, like Lori was saying, or I'm sorry, like Apio was saying, um, you know, they have to feel some empathy. You know, they have to say, you know, would I say this thing or how, how would I perceive this if it was happening to me or someone I love? Uh, so, you know, that's kind of where I'm going with this. And I, I, I feel like stuff like this podcast and, and me connecting with people in different ways than I was before, maybe reaching out um, in, in ways to, uh, uh, you know, be so, a little more socially active than I ever was before, which was very little. Um, but uh, just try, trying to connect with things that are important to me value-wise. And my wife and I were talking about this, you know, trying to connect with our values outside of our home. And, you know, we have a new son uh, who's three months old and, and uh, modeling that behavior for him as he goes through boyhood and into manhood is going to be very important to me. Yeah. yeah for sure. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I, I never really got white privilege or male privilege until reading all those stories and, and really learning about the level of intimidation that so many women, so many Americans just go through like on a daily basis. And it probably has always been that way. And you know, now they're just, there's a place to share it and talk about it. Um, but uh, you know, inst instead of getting violent, you know, if you're one of the eight guys on a bus and again, now I can understand based on what Laurie was saying that, wow, every woman assumes that every guy that's quiet must agree with the, the, uh, the persecutor, right? The attacker, the harasser. So our silence speaks volumes. So, you know, the, the ways to, that I would suggest just stand, just, Hey, that's not cool. Or, you know, why, why are you so angry? Why, why take on them? Let, let's talk. Right. Let me buy you coffee. Right. Whatever. But just willingness to, to stand up, to be noticed, to not be silent, to not condone things, but also not to just, you know, it's not join them at their hatred. It's kind of rise above and invite that person to a discussion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tell me what you're really upset about. It's not about that girl over there, right? Like, tell me what's going on. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, the, the, the why is, is an important first question. Um, but after a while, it's important to remember, I, at least this is the way I tend to look at it. It's also important to remember that after we, we ask the initial whys to help, you know, break the ice and to start the understanding, we can move past the whys that oftentimes help reinforce victim stories and start moving into the what's, what can I do to help? What can I do? What, you know, what can we do together? You know, move more toward what questions versus why questions. And why questions are definitely important to start the dialogue and then be able to move on past the why into the what's. So, and, oh, 
<laughs> I had a light that just went off. Bolt of insight. It's like poof. <laughs> well, cool. So we we've been going for about an hour. Um, I, I, have we resolved anything? <laughs> no. Created awareness, I think. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's your take. Well, what, what I tell you, my takeaway is realizing more than ever after this conversation and everybody that it it it's it's down to the individual. Right, it's that the Gandhi line of you know you got to be the change you want, and and that means, um, you know, standing up to what you don't like, or again just talk, a discussion, being like I'm willing to listen to you, you know, instead of yelling at the six year old girl, you know, talk to me, what what's up, man, and and from from middle aged white guys, we can use our privilege to safely um, de escalate some situations. Mm-hmm. Like I I worked as a bouncer for a couple years and. People, the management loved me because there were no fights. And they kind of made, wow, why are there no fights with me? I want to get in a fight. And I was great at de-escalating. I would talk to each side and they both thought I was their best friend and I could just diffuse things. And, um, you know, we all need to be willing to diffuse things, to go out of our way, to, to, to stand up and, and not to, to get in front of the way, not to, not to have to get violent, not to meet people there, but to rise above, not in silence, but rise above in your actions. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, all right well i appreciate everyone who joined us here live all the comments all the willingness to be seen and to speak up um you can join us live next tuesday november 29th at 8 p.m eastern for another episode of real men feel um the show is called discovering your soul mission with our guest michael bilkis and we're gonna be back to one man sharing his journey and his mission and you know now more than ever it's really down to it's up to what each of us can do as a man, as a woman, as a child, as an adult, as a person of color, as any, whatever you are, as a human being. It's down to your personal journey. And do you want it to be of judgment? Or do you want it to be of happiness? Right? No, I'll choose happiness. Same here. So until then, check us out at realmenfield.org. Join the Real Men Field group on Facebook. Share what you thought of this show. Leave us a rating, a review on iTunes. Comment on the Real Men Field blog. Share the show. Whatever you want. Tell us we suck. I don't really care at this point. But uh, do something, all right? So I look forward to, to being with you again. Thank you, Apio. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Kind Owl. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, all listeners around the world. <laughs> and uh, have a good night. All right. Good night, guys. guys.